Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. From the shores of Malibu where the waves are pumping to the Great Wall of China and back to the streets of God knows where the UFC is going in January. We are live. This is It's Time Radio, the show where we talk about what you think about but maybe you're afraid to voice. Do not worry. We will voice it for you. We talk about everything on It's Time. Politics, President Trump, COVID-19, film, TV, UFC, sex, drugs, rock and roll, you name it, we talk about it. And we're here on the show today with my co-host, TJ DeSantis. Hi, TJ. How are you? I'm good, Buff. How are you? I'm good. Good. And the Xmas spirit, Christmas spirit, holiday spirit, whatever it is, Hanukkah, if you had it, I'm all here. Happy holidays, everybody. You know? Wait, is Hanukkah over? It's not over yet, right? I don't even know. I'm not Jewish. I have a lot of Jewish friends, and I think Hanukkah ended like two or three days ago. All I know is they get eight gifts. (laughs) <laughs> and then it's over. So I think that's how it works. You know, it's funny. I, I feel like the entire month of December is really the holiday season. And, uh, you know, we're celebrating. And we got a pretty good, uh, great guest to celebrate it with uh, today on It's Time. Yeah, great guest. And, uh, you know, I got to say, the one thing they all say pretty much is said about our guest today, our special guest, one of the nicest guys, if not the nicest guy in the UFC, nicest guy in MMA. And I'm happy to talk to another man that's also called a nice guy. So two nice guys on the show with God knows what you're like, TJ, but we're going to make it work all the way around. Three nice guys on the show. How's this? Steven Thompson, contender, champion to be, champion all the way around. Just a great guy. Steven, great to have How you on the you show. How are you doing? I'm good, Thank you buddy. so much. Wow, look at you. You're all like in the nice open area. Is that your house there? <laughs> no, actually, we are in downtown Disney. We left straight from Vegas after the fight uh, Sunday morning. Took the nieces and nephews to Disney World they've never been. So here I am, man. I'm outside a restaurant hanging out with you guys, which I would awesome. rather do. I would rather do this to be in there with uh, the, the chaos that's going on. <laughs> I can imagine. Well, Mickey or Minnie pass by. Have them say hi to us real quick. It's always good to see those bunny ears. Or bunny ears, listen to me, mouse ears walking around. <laughs> Steven, I got to congratulate you. You know, I, first off, I want to apologize one thing. I love announcing you in the octagon. I love watching you fight sitting octagon side. This is the first fight I think that I've missed of yours, if I'm not mistaken. I apologize for not being there. I know Joe did a great job. You know, he does an excellent work what he does, but I want to be there for you when I can be. I watched the fight, and I got to say that you put on a clinic. This was your fight. This was your kind of fight. You were able to keep your distance, uh, your kicks, everything you threw in, your control, your composure against a man that literally just wanted to get in there and take your head off, right? And uh, you took him out of his game. And you took him out of his game for, you know, off and on for five rounds. A very tough fighter. Um, great performance, Stephen. Really great performance. Actually, I think it's probably one of the best or maybe the best performance I've seen you put on. You seem really right on your game right now. Well, thank you. For one, it was, you know, this is the very first fight that you have not announced me. And um, there's nothing like Bruce Buffer out there, you know, cause it fires me up whenever you get in front of me and whenever you announce me, it, it lights a fire in me like no other. So it's all good. We'll do it again next time. All right. Uh, next one, you'll be there, but thank you. I was just glad to be back in the octagon and what better guy to, uh, you know, face off against an up and coming UFC. Just, I mean, the guy's unbelievable. Um, five fight winning streak in the UFC, Jeff Neal, very, very tough with five, five rounds. And, you know, there, there's been a lot of talk, uh, you know, be, me being out for a year. Um, again, you know, uh, after the fight with Vicente Luque, I broke both my hands. Of course, the pandemic hit, and then I ended up hurting the, my collarbone. Chris Weidman helping him get ready for his fight. He ended up dumping me on my head, and I ended up turning the cartilage out of uh, one of my car- collarbones. So I was out for a while, but um, glad to be back in uh, and perform in front of the UFC and the fans this past Saturday. It was awesome. That's awesome. And I think you got a bonus too, right? I did. Five yeah. of the night bonus. That's two in a row. Let's go. Nice. Yeah, nice. Nice. <laughs> you can afford are... that Disney World trip yeah. with a bonus like that. <laughs> that was expensive. Well, it nothing is, like. Man. I saw shirts I was walking around with. It said, most expensive trip in the world or holiday in the world or something like that. Oh, it yeah. Was funny. It just had me laughing. 
Hey, listen, while we're on the side, first of all, congratulate on the bonus because totally worthy and totally worth it, especially after a year gone. Before we get back into the uh, future of what holds for you, Disney World or Disney World, Disneyland, wherever you're at, um, it's Disney. Are they, the, the safety and protocol walking around, is there distancing? Is everybody wearing their mask? Do you feel safe? Is there, are people all following it or is it being policed? I mean, what is the atmosphere down there? It is definitely being policed. And, and one of the reasons why we came, you know, there's a lot of, uh, um, everywhere you go, even if you have it down below your nose, they're telling you to fix your mask. So the staff here at Disney is definitely, um, you know, keeping you on your, your toes, make sure you're, I'm sitting at a table outside of a restaurant. I mean, if you're sitting down and you're drinking and things like that, you're allowed to have your mask off. But if you're mobile, you've got to keep your mask on. So I definitely, we definitely feel safe here for sure. I've talked to some people that have uh, been to Disney World during the, the pandemic, and, and they've been people that have been there in the past, and they said that uh, because of COVID-19 and the restrictions that are in place at Disney, it's actually made it a lot more enjoyable of an experience because the crowds aren't what they, they normally are this time of year, and, and like you said, they're policing it. So, uh, you know, if there's a silver lining to COVID-19, it might be that Disney World's less chaotic than it normally is. Oh, 100%. It's awesome. I mean, we got, they're only allowing half capacity, maybe less, I think. And they're sticking to it. Uh, we went to uh, Dollywood over Thanksgiving. We took the nieces and nephews there, and everybody was pretty much kind of doing what they were wanting to do. Um, they said they were half capacity, but it didn't really feel like it. I felt like there was more people there than ever. Very difficult to uh, get on rides. But here at Disney, uh, it was great. I mean, a lot less people, uh, more comfortable, um, easier to get around, easier to get into restaurants. Uh, it's been it's been a blast. You know, with that being said, uh, question my business mind, economic mind rolling. Prices higher, or I mean, are the prices the same? Do they make them higher? Or have you noticed any difference, or can you tell the difference? I really haven't. This has been my fourth time to Disney World. Uh, we love coming here with the family. Of course, I've got thirteen nieces and nephews, so you got to try and get, you know, as they come up, as they as they, you know, they start popping out. You got to. Each and every one of them, I want them to experience it. So we came here with the fam, with the youngest ones, and uh, it is pretty much the same. It hasn't gotten any more expensive. Um, that just could be me. I I don't know in the past year or two, but it's been the same. To be honest, it's been really easy. No, that's good because I I hope that you know people aren't getting gouged as some people are doing. You know, trying to make as much money as they right. can in this day and age at the uh, behalf of the people coming in. You know, Stephen, uh, during your fight, getting back to the fight a little bit. Something you experienced in the fight that I haven't seen you do in your career is the headbutt that occurred. And that was a pretty brutal headbutt. Both of you suffering because of it. We can see where you got your stitches right there. Still as handsome as ever. Don't worry about it. You're going to be fine. The modeling career will still be in effect. <laughs> and as the saying goes, girls love scars. So it's all good. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So when that happened, as an individual on the receiving end or the giving end, however, however it came out, and you feel the blood going down, you're tasting your blood for not the first time, but you know, obviously it's a really good gash that it happened. How did that affect you? Does that, is that, I mean, I, I think I know the answer, but does it make you feel more aggressive, more tentative? I don't want this to get worse. And what goes through your mind when something like that happens, you have a second to contemplate it before you start throwing down again? Well, to be honest, it really didn't affect me uh, mentally, I guess. Um, I, I can see how, Somebody gets cut, they see their own blood. Um, if you don't have a strong spirit, I can see people, you know, start to break at that point. But it was a heaven. And I didn't actually realize I was cut until I got back to uh, my corner. I felt some blood, but I thought it was his during the fight. I, didn't, I really didn't feel anything. Um, right. I thought it was just him. But uh, it did, you know, after that, after I realized that I was cut, it, it, it did kind of make you feel a little bit more aggressive, right? Yeah. Um, you know, not really trying to say I, I want to get payback for it, but I, you know, when you're out there in battle and you feel like you're injured, you know, could be through anything. You kind of want to kind of pick the pace up a little bit to let the judge and the fans know that hey, I'm going to win this fight. Almost the same way when I got knocked down by Ellenberger when we fought. Um, at when I, you know, came to got back up to my feet, I felt like I really had to win that round. Ended up finishing in the first round. Kind of the same mindset, like. Um, I feel like I'm losing this fight because I'm cut, you know, that yeah. urge to go out there and really put on, put on a performance and um, outstrike the guy. Now, Jeff Neal is no joke. He is so durable, kind of like Vicente Luque, and he's thick. He's a very dense yeah. guy. Every punch that I threw, 
it just kind of bounced off of his car. He was just kind of in your face. He's a little shorter. He's a, he's able to put on, I guess, keep a little bit more weight on him than, than normal. But he was a very big welterweight. And every punch that I threw, it just felt like he didn't, it didn't phase him one bit. Of course, he said otherwise after the fight, but he had me fooled during the fight. It was, it was, it was a really good one. He played it off very well. Very cool. And the, uh, the technical aspects of your fight, you know, your karate aspects you're throwing in, it just, I, again, I was very impressed, as I always am with you, but your ability to hold distance on him when he was coming into you so much and to maintain it, obviously the side kicks, the front kicks, the round, how everything keeps him at bay, using your leg like a, like a jab, like a hand jab, whatever. It's just, I, I love watching your work, Steve. It, it, it really was good. Thank you. And, thank you. And that's that karate background, as you know, you know, I mean, you're, you're also, you're a karate kid as well. Yeah. Uh, uh, was it Shotokan or what? What was it? Uh, I'm second degree black belt in Tonks Sudo. Wow, that is awesome! Yeah. Yes, I love it. I love that Bruce <laughs> Buffer, Buffer trains karate. It's the best ever. But <laughs> karate, it, it, but then know, I went yeah, into, as you know. I went. I had to go into kickboxing after that because I wanted to fight for real. You know, the, the, the yep. dojo point fighting, Ipon, Ipon, which was great. Don't get me wrong, but it wasn't fulfilling my needs based on what I was experiencing elsewhere. If you know what I'm saying, so oh, I needed to have yeah. reality. I need to have reality. Well, what's interesting? Uh, ahead, I'm sorry to cut you off. What was that? What I was going to say, Stephen, is I, I think it's interesting because I think for many years, a lot of people looked at traditional martial arts, like you guys are talking about, as something that was ineffective for mixed martial arts competition because of the structure and the, the point fighting. But we, we've seen a lot of people, you know, like yourself, I think, sort of trailblazing that way where these traditional uh, martial artists are coming in and they're adapting that mm -hmm. traditional uh, philosophy to the overall MMA game. And Fighters like yourself, Stephen, when you're able to, you know, fire on all pistons like like you can with that traditional base, a, a lot of the more quote unquote well-rounded, cross-trained fighters can't keep up with that sort of technique. And yeah, it, it's really neat to see how the sport has evolved. But at the same time, fighters like yourself have, have brought things back to these basics with the traditional martial arts that other guys just can't seem to, you know, hang with. Yeah, I think in the earlier days, especially in the seventies and, and, and eighties, when the you know, the Karate Kid movie started coming out, and it was just a fad at that point. You had a lot of people, very few people make uh, karate look bad. It was those guys that didn't have a whole lot of training, wanted to open up schools, and they just had these big dojo uh, mentalities of just making money. And it made us, those very few people made all the karate guys look bad and made, it, it made, it, made everybody think that karate didn't work. And now that, you know, we're kind of getting back to our roots, right? I grew up doing point fighting as a kid, but as soon as I turned 12 years old, my dad had me training kickboxing, you know, the real fighting, right? right exactly. And I kind of stuck with that, that karate style that helped me tremendously. And I think you're starting to see a, a lot of that now, like, you know, the Michael Page Venoms, even Conor McGregor, even Henry Cejudo has that karate um, feel to his movement. Um, Raymond Daniels on that part, but, uh, you know, people are, are, are seeing that karate works. But the thing is, it's very difficult to get to that level because, you know, I've been doing this since I was three years old, you know, and you got a lot of these guys who are at the top of the game right now with the karate who started that at a very young age. And in MMA, you don't, you don't people, you don't have guys that start at three years old doing MMA. It's just, you know, you're getting guys who are 20, 21 years old and training for three years and, and they really haven't developed the movement, the distancing, the, the whole discipline when it comes to the fight game. And that's what karate brings, right. I think, to the fight world that the Muay Thai, not, I'm not saying you can't get that from Muay Thai, but it takes a long time to be able to develop that feel out in the octagon, so to speak. For, for no, my I, money, the greatest fighter of all time, George St. Pierre, what's his base? Karate. Karate. Yep, yeah, 100%. Well, you know, you brought up in a very interesting thing, Stephen, is that, you know, a lot of the people, and I, this goes back to, like, my early years, because I first started training with Chuck Norris's fighting partners when I moved to Malibu, who I met because one of my best friends was his black belt, and I got introduced, and I was training with uh, Bobby Burbich, who has since passed away, yep. Pat Johnson, who did a lot of the choreography, including the choreography for the Karate Kid, and he Sorry. and I, we sparred at it pretty hard, too. So, with that being said, you, you bring out a cool point, is that dojos were opening all over, and then it's a business and people are graduating people and giving them belts, whether it's green, black, you know, brown, mm -hmm. whatever, much more premature than they should. Therefore, when these guys go out and God forbid they face the reality, they get their asses handed to them on the street, you know, um, or yeah. maybe they don't. It depends on the individual. So it was a bit of a, I don't want to, well, I got to put it like maybe a bastardizing of the purity of martial arts. Oh, yeah. 
And oh yeah, and you got hard. yeah. Go ahead. And you and you have and, and a lot has to do with that with the training with the type of sparring they're doing. Like mm -hmm. you know, I, I'm the head kids instructor at our at our school, and you know, we, of course we pad up, and we always use good control. But accidents happen, right? You got these schools, and and the, these kids go through a conditioning process, and the, and the higher rank they go, the more contact we allow the more they go through that conditioning process. And there's a lot of schools out there who don't even allow contact, yeah. you know, let alone the sparring. Like, you know, if they really get hit in a real situation, they're not gonna know how to cope with that. For us, it's that old school mentality, that old 60s and 70s hardcore mentality that you go through a conditioning process. And my goal is to put these kids in uncomfortable situations. So mm -hmm. if they are ever in that situation, they know how to handle that. Right. And you got these schools that are allow, allow contact and they get hit in a real situation, they're not going to know how to handle that. Absolutely agree. You know, I always say you never know who you are until you get punched in the face. Exactly. And, uh, <laughs> and you never know how you're going to react until you get punched in the face. So let teach them, teach them right. I mean, obviously as safe as possible, but you know what? You got to take a shot. You got to take right. a shot. You got to learn how to take them. You got to learn how to give them. Good for you. All I know is the sparring we used to do back in the 70s and the 80s. There's nothing think, like it anymore. There's no, nothing like that anymore. They don't, be they allowed. don't make, I, I look at my dad too, though, they don't make men like you guys anymore. That's it. Your guys are a dying breed. Thank you. Which is sad, right? And my goal is to try and keep that legacy going for you guys because, I mean, you know, when my dad first opened up his school, if you didn't have a natural ability to, to do the martial arts, and that was the mentality back in those days, he didn't want you in there. You know, it was just so yeah. hardcore. And the discipline was there that the, the, the body hardening was there and it was, you know, it, it, you guys are a dying breed. I, I, I love, <laughs> I love chatting with you guys about this and it, it's, it's great, man. And our goal is to bring that back at, at our school. So happy, you guys to, are the inspiration. Happy to talk about it all anytime you want. I just hope I'm not dying as we talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> <And> again, <laughs> Look at <laughs> you, man. Are you kidding me? I'm trying to be like you, man. I'm trying to be like you. Are you kidding? Uh, you got a ways to go. Yes. Yeah. I'm 63 brother. So, you know, you got a ways to go. Enjoy every year of it. <laughs> hey, on, on that tip guys, you know, when you showed up in, in the UFC almost 10 years ago, Steven, uh, I remember people getting excited about you and you know, the, the nickname wonder boy was a, a, a bit misleading because I think a lot of people saw you have success early and like, look at this 19 year old kid. And it's like, no, no, Steven Thompson's in his, late 20s, but here we are almost a decade after you uh, debuted in the UFC and you're still a top shelf uh, elite level contender. But when you start getting into the mid to the late 30s, people start to wonder, you know, how much uh, is left in the tank. And, you know, I'll always remind people that Randy Couture didn't start fighting until he was 35 years old. But, yeah. you know, where you're at, uh, Stephen, you know, uh, approaching, you know, late 30s, I, I think you're just as, as good as you ever were, if not the best you've ever been. So what is it like, you know, you know, health-wise, how are you feeling physically, but also mentally too? It's a long time to be at this high level, you know, competitive level that you are. Uh, how do you deal with burnout? Are you still as motivated as ever? Oh, man. Like I said before, you know, there is the fire that's lit in me like no other. Uh, when I was fighting kickboxing, and literally in those days, I was fighting just about every weekend, you know, in tournaments, kickboxing tournaments. So, you know, I was fighting two or three, four, sometimes more than that, seven, eight times, in, you know, in a weekend. And there was a point where I, I felt like I was, I, was, I was burnt out, right? And I really didn't know how to tell my dad that because my dad's been in my corner since day one, and he's been a martial artist and loved kickboxing, loves the fact that we have this – this thing that we can share together and I wasn't really sure how to approach it with it so I was kind of in this stage in my life to where you know I was fighting but I wasn't fighting for the honor and for the glory I was doing more for making my dad happy and that's not the way to go right, right? and I, I kind of look at what I'm about to tell you next as a blessing because I ended up tearing my knee, my, my every ligament in my left leg, fighting for the World Combat League, Chuck Norris's World Combat League. Yeah, I remember that league. And you remember that? That was, mm -hmm. that was wild. But uh, I was out for three years. And in that time, it was like a blessing. Like it, I, that flame rekindled in me. And that motivation um, kind of recharged my batteries a little bit. And it hasn't left me since then. That was in 2005. It hasn't left me. And... Uh, I think with my style, the way that I fight, the way that I train especially has kept me uh, in the game for so long. You know, in the, in the gym, you, you hear about a lot of, uh, you know, gyms out there who 
put the gear on. They're wearing, they don't wear any gear. They wear MMA gloves and they beat the crap out of each other. Um, they lose their chin, not in the fight, but in the gym. Like they, yeah. it's a fight every time they spar. And mm -hmm. that's not the way to do it. You know, sparring should be fun. It should be a learning experience. And that's how we do it. Like I wear 18 ounce gloves. I know heavyweights that wear 12 and 10 ounce gloves and they spar. And I'm like, man, what do you, you know, you're not, you're not out there to try and crush your partner. You want to, you want to compete against each other, but you want to do it in a, in a safe, uh, environment to where you're not beating yourself up you know you can't condition the brain you can't and i think that helped with my longevity yeah um, in the sport and my style as well you know, try and hit your opponent without being hit that karate style as you know yeah uh, bruce uh keeping the distance and the karate has helped that so much um in the angle changing and things like that so it's it's uh i think my style and the way i train has helped me tremendously i know everybody's like you know was expecting slower older single winner boy thompson but you know i'm here to say hey it doesn't matter age is age is a number right i know eventually things start to slow down but on top of that your knowledge your experience should overthrow that over you know uh overthrow that 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 speed lack if you as you get older right yeah very, very well said i agree with everything you said and the key factor is to stay busy i mean you're always busy you're not giving a chance to walk in that's where the the little jabs with the with the legs, jabs with the hands, moving around. You know, people also don't realize you're a first degree black belt in jujitsu, right? You're a brown belt under Machado in Brazilian jujitsu. Yet we rarely get to see you use your ground technique. I mean, you're a fifth degree black belt in Kempo, which is one of my favorite styles for for fighting. You know, Chuck Waddell, another Kempo fighter, oh, yeah. transfers very well into mixed martial arts. So you have all these weapons and all this pedigree of training behind you, but it's almost like you're holding back in your jiu-jitsu until you absolutely need to use it. You know, you love exactly. to stand up, and it's just that's like a last resort for you is what it seems. Yeah, uh, my third fight in the UFC, I fought Michelle Monroe, and I used a lot of wrestling in that fight. And I think... It was because my fight with Matt Brown, everybody was questioning that. It was questioning right. my wrestling. They didn't realize, you know, uh, that was that fight was probably one of the hardest fights that I've ever had. It wasn't. It didn't have to do with the opponent, but the battle I had leading up to it. Um, you know, with carrying around a tremendous amount of weight, I had a strength and conditioning coach that had me, you know, doing a lot of the bodybuilding lifting. So I was walking around about 210, 215. I tried to cut to 170, about killed me, and I lost. <laughs> You know, first 30 seconds of the first round, I was done. And Matt Brown just out-wrestled him. So everybody, that was, that was, a, that was a, everybody's questioning my wrestling. And I wanted to show that my next fight. But then afterwards, um, you know, I forgot who it was. But they, they were working for the UFC. And he comes to me and says, Steven, it wasn't your wrestling that got you here. You know, er, you know and I was like, you know what? I, I, I see where you're coming from. People want to see knockouts. They want to see my style. Um, the finesse of it. So I kind of got back to my roots with, with the striking. And I use my jiu-jitsu and wrestling to help keep the fight standing um, where I feel most comfortable. Um, and I think that makes me a specialist. Like you, very, you have very few specialists nowadays, but the guys at the top of the game are specialists. Like yep. Kamara Usman, he's a wrestler. Yeah. Right? Anderson right. Silva, striker. Um, Izzy Adesanya, striker. You still have the specialists doing work. And... Um, for me, I want to be known as one of the best MMA fighters, not just that, but best strikers who ever stepped out in the, in, in, in the octagon. So um, well, I use that. You're already there. You're, you're already there, Steven. You're Thank doing you. Yeah, you're, you don't have to establish. You're, you're there, and it's like 10 years plus in the game, and I think you're in your prime, entering your prime, not, ex not exiting or, you know, at the end of your prime. I'm telling you, every time you fight, especially this last Saturday, I've seen a Stephen Thompson that I've not seen, yet I have seen, yet I've not seen, but I'm seeing, if you know what I'm saying. You're putting it out there, you <laughs> yes, got to go. So what the typical question anybody interviews you is going to say this, what's the next thing for Stephen Thompson? What, have they talked to you? Have they given you an idea? Obviously, you're going to be out for six or eight weeks with the cut, but what is the next, what is the next move if there is one talked about yet, or if you can even talk about it? You know, my goal is to move forward. I'm not giving up on that title. I, feel, I know I've got many years ahead of me to, in this game, so – um, if I'm in the game, I'm going for it. Like there's, right. there's no use of me being in the fight game. If I'm not trying and to push for that championship, like I want to be the best, right. I, you know, I like to tell people I, I, I do this and it's, and it's just me being honest for the honor and the glory. The money is a bonus, right? I, I could literally do this for free. Um, 
And I don't, I just don't see the point of me being in the game if I'm not striving to be the best fighter in the UFC, to be champion. And I'm with you My all the way. My last two guys, thank you, thank you. And the, the last two guys that I fought were ranked number 11, you know, Vicente Luque, Jeff Neal. So the plan is to get, you know, hopefully the UFC uh, realizes that I'm, I'm still going for it. I want to fight somebody in the, in, in the top five. I know I'd mentioned um, George Masvidal, who we faced already, uh, which he gives me inspiration because he – was right behind me. I ended up beating him at UFC 217. Uh, Bruce, you were there. Mm-hmm. Um, ended up beating him, and now he's one of the most popular guys in the, in, yeah. in the, in the UFC, yeah. ranked higher than me. So, uh, you know. What That's a money fight, too. That's yeah. a money fight. That's a money fight. That's a payday. Right? That's a payday yeah. fight. Yeah. Yeah. I think that would be sick. I think that would be great. The, the, you know, the, still striving for the champion. The things they could do with that poster, you know, the, the nicest MFR against the, the baddest MFR. They could have some fun with the artwork it's, for that. It's already, it's already been talking. You know, there's two guys that are called sometimes the nicest guys in the sport. I'm happy to say that I'm one of them. I get that label once in a while. But you I, are. I, you are, baby. <laughs> thanks, Stephen. But I read that about you in almost every article I ever read. He's such a nice guy. The nice, it's, it's, you know what? Be a role model to your sphere of influence, like I say on the show every week. You know, and that's what you're doing. Stephen, when I'm in the octagon, I got to tell you one of the most exciting things that happens, or one of the things I love the most when it's your night to fight. When they start playing that Wonder Boy song when you're walking out, I've announced thousands of fighters. I've heard every song you'd imagine, and there's more I haven't heard. But I just love when they start playing that song. It's just, <laughs> it just fills the arena, whether there's people or not, and the moment was such a, for me, a glorious feeling as you're walking out of that whole Wonder Boy. You know, the way that comes Don't out. Don't sing, Buff. Don't <laughs> sing. I know, but I can sing. I can do it. I can do it. I'm just, I have a little horse this morning. It. You get a, right. a land right. That's what it. It. Trust right. me. Right. I mean, when I'm in the octagon, I'm kind of moving around to it, which I do to music. But, you know, kudos on that. And I got to ask, how are my boys at King and Bay treating you? Have you been getting any suits? Or are you still working with King and Bay at all? Oh, uh, my King. I, you know what? I just talked to Ashif uh, uh, last week. And Ashif, he's been helping me with my see, he's He was actually there in, Tor- was it Toronto? Uh, was yeah. it Toronto, I think? Toronto, yeah. Um, literally at 2 a.m., 3 a.m., we had left. We went to their spot. And I don't know if you've seen their new facility yet. It is amazing. Yeah. I oh, haven't, my God. but I, I, I've, I've seen pictures. The past two years. Oh, it's amazing. Great facility. But I still talk to Ashif. Um, I'm going to get in touch with him next week. Um, he's going to actually fly to South Carolina. That's the great thing about them, because they will fly to you yeah. wherever you're at and uh, uh, fit you up for a suit, man. I just got a nice – uh, dinner jacket from them. Nice. Amazing. Amazing. I love nice. their work. Nice. Well, look, you're a model. Thanks to you. Thanks to up. you. Thanks to you. I would never have known about him if it wasn't for you, Bruce. So I, these are the only guys that I use. I set you up for one key reason, first and foremost, before anything else I can say about you, because I respect you and because you're a quality human being. And that's the only people I like to do business with. Right. And I'm not making any money off that. I don't mean do business. I wanted to set you up because a, you've got the model looks, you got the thing, you love to uh, play the game and, and look the part and it's a perfect fit for you. They do, they do great by you. you look great in their suits. You really do. And I Thank know they you. enjoy Thank it. You. Well, I love you, Bruce. I love you. my man. <laughs> I appreciate you. I appreciate it very much. Hey, listen, uh, do me a favor and please give your dad Ray a hello and a happy holidays for me and wishing him all the best and I safe. Would definitely. And, your whole family. I know you got to go. You're at Disneyland. I want you to have a great time. I'm trying to think if I missed anything I wanted to tell you, but no, I just want to, I just can't wait till we share the octagon again, my friend, and you just stay healthy. Take care of that cut again. Yes, sir. All good. It's going to be hard to damage that face of yours, but it's just going to add more character, baby. You got it. I heal up fast. I heal up fast, but I appreciate you guys, man. And hopefully we can do this again very, very soon. I love chatting with y'all. So it's a pleasure. Little, little hint from all the cuts and stitches I've had. (laughs) Aloe vera, vitamin E, babe. Every day. A little aloe I'm vera, on it. I little vitamin on it. E. <laughs> you got it, brother. And, and, and also a little SPF 40 when you're out in the sun. You don't want to give that any reason <laughs> to get darker. <laughs> yes, sir. All right, listen. All serious as a kidding aside, Stephen, it's truly a pleasure to watch you fight. It's a pleasure to know you and call you my friend. And it's a pleasure to have you on the show. And I sincerely wish you, your family, your dad, everybody, the best of holidays, the best, prosperous, safe New Year's. I think next year could be a huge year for you, my friend. You're ranked in the top Sorry, five. You're going to fight the top five. is going to be it. So let's give you a little hint. Like Jerry Maguire said, show Steven the money. There you go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Guys, I appreciate you. The pleasure is all mine. 
and I wish you guys a happy holiday. Thanks, my friend. Big cheers, don't, no fears. Don't spend all it. that bonus in Orlando, Stephen. <laughs> Hold on to some of it if you can. Yeah. You got it, Brian. I got you. I got you. Thank Bye. you, guys. Y'all have a good one, fellas. Thanks, Stephen. Take care. Bye-bye. There he is, Wonder Boy. He is one of the nicest guys I've ever met in MMA. 100%. Um, you know, obviously, he uh, you know, was raised, well, you mentioned his, his father, Ray, who's a, a, another phenomenal human being. Uh, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree there, but he's a Southern boy, you know, and, the, and those guys from, from South Carolina, like, I, I don't know what it is about them. They're just like bred to be sweethearts of human beings. And, and, and Wonder Boy is definitely that. As the women are too, the men and women both. I For mean, sure. the, uh, the Southwestern, Southeastern hospitality, you can't beat it. It's amazing. I, they, I had they just the seem to care more about people. I don't know why they come off just more genuine. Well, it's courtesy and, and again, genuine and gentlemen. Right. Okay. They kind of go hand in hand. Sure. Having been raised in Texas, experiencing that, and then the East Coast and Philly, until I moved out here to California, I've had the pleasure of, and I, and of experiencing that. I fully, fully agree with you. Okay. Let's get on to some news here. And um, all this best success to Stephen Thompson, most definitely. And I love the relationship he has with his dad. I love that whole relationship. And, and it's awesome. one, I mean, I, I've known a lot of fighters that have kind of been brought up in a, you know, a family uh, traditional martial arts standpoint. And it's very rare that people stay within that environment and find success and, and maintain that success. And Wonder Boy's been able to do that where other fighters have, you know, had to go outside of their uh, shell and, and, and sometimes they don't come back. Like, don't get me wrong, Wonder Boy is definitely trained all over the place, but oh, yeah. as he said, Ray has been a staple of his corner and uh, you just got to sit back and, and, and I, I, you and I have talked about the relationships that we've had with our fathers. It's great to see uh, a relationship like that between a, a father and son while, you know, there, there's this high level uh, athletic uh, accomplishments being done and, and I firmly believe that uh, Wonder Boy's not lying when he says that that his father Ray has been uh, sort of a cornerstone of his success, and that's uh, probably why he's maintained it for as long as he has. Absolutely, no question. You can see it in the relationship they have together, the way they work together, and the respect that he has for his father, and the respect his father has for his son. It's a wonderful thing. Now, something that is not too wonderful coming out: uh, Canada is now the latest country to halt travel from the United Kingdom over the new COVID nineteen variant uh, virus issue that's going on over there. My cologne makers and en energy product makers are based in London. I was just dealing with them this morning. It's bad, TJ. Yeah. It's bad over there. They're really having a rough time. And It's uh, bad now, everywhere. It's bad everywhere. And yeah. anybody that doesn't think it isn't. And I have more people close to me getting this yeah. in the last three weeks. Well, it's I mean, we're like at, wondering, when am I going to get it? it we're, that's, we're at a very low capacity for ICUs and stuff here in, in Southern California. And, and Bruce, here's the thing. I, I'm with you. I get worried. I mean, I, I've traveled, uh, you know, to Mexico uh, three times in the last four weeks. And, um, you know, not that like Mexico is a, a, a bad spot uh, for COVID or anything. I'm just saying, you know, traveling internationally, you just go to the airport, you have people from all over the world around you. You know, this is a very, I mean, it's a, it's a viral uh, illness. Um, but what it comes down to, Bruce, and I think that you've done a good job with this. I think I've done a good job by the fact that I haven't caught uh, COVID uh, yet is just being safe and, and using common sense and washing your hands and, you know, don't shake Sweet. hands. Don't embrace like you normally uh, did prior Sweet. to this. And if, Wear if you, your mask and keep your distance. Yeah. If you, if you stay on point and, and do what you're supposed to do, you know, knock on wood, you're going to be okay. But, you know, you, you've well, got to maintain that vigilance. Let me take it a step further. If you have a friend that just came back from Mexico or Florida or traveled, mm -hmm. Don't be running over to see him right away. No, no, I'm, I'm keeping my distance from everybody. Days. Yeah, yeah, you're supposed to quarantine for 10 to 14 days coming back into this uh, California, as yeah. they say, or anywhere, if you want to just be realistic. And don't think, well, they're so good and they're this. No, no get tested Anybody too. can get this. Anybody can get this. Get tested. Not the day you get back. I mean, no, recommend no. when they get tested five to 10 days after they come back. Yep. There's all these different things that can occur. And, you know, in California now, the record cases are hitting crazy right now. People are being turned away in hospitals. Turned away. Think about turned that. away for get this, heart attacks, strokes. I, I've heard for like major trauma too, like major uh, trauma. Yes, yeah, they can't car help them. Things like that. They don't know where to take them. They don't know where to take them, and this is where we're at right now. Yeah. Anybody that thinks this is a hoax or thinks it's not happening, you know what? Examine your brain. I well, mean, uh, apparently. Uh, 
we we have over three million deaths in this country, not from COVID, but as a whole. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's I think the first time in in recorded history uh, that we've had three million deaths um, ever. So yeah, did you? It's horrible. Did you hear about this United Airlines situation? No, I just flew United the other day though. Well, they had a United Airlines a passenger lied about COVID symptoms, right? And uh, he went into cardiac arrest on the flight. And this was eight days ago. The airline still has not notified all the passengers of the fact that he had COVID. He died on the airplane, TJ. Oh, he no. went into cardiac arrest on the airplane, and then they found out that he had COVID. I think it was afterwards. United Airlines has not contacted passengers about the COVID-positive flyer. And now they're claiming that it's not their job to contact passengers. But now... Re- uh, I'm pretty yeah. sure it is. Well, that's what they're saying. That's what I was reading in a thing here. But now passengers that are on the plane... As expected, you know what they're going to do? They're going to lawyer up. Well, they're going to have a class action suit yeah. against United Airlines. They're going to lawyer up on this. So what do you do? I mean, I would think that well, if you're public transportation and somebody has tested positive or dies, much less has happened here, dies on the airplane to where they had to make an emergency landing to remove them or deal with what they had to deal with on the plane, I would think just human nature is you need to notify everybody on that plane. Well, th- that's one thing that I uh, have noticed uh, traveling internationally that I haven't noticed uh, here. Uh, here, I've flown out of uh, LAX as, as well as John Wayne in, in Orange County. And um, they, they make you, when you're traveling internationally, they make you fill out a, a survey and a questionnaire. Um, that m- might be everywhere, but I, I primarily only tra- uh, travel internationally lately. But uh, when I'm traveling in Mexico, I'm getting hit with that thermometer every time I walk into the airport. When I walk into the airport here in the States, I'm not. Um, So if this person was suffering from COVID symptoms to the point where they actually went into cardiac arrest uh, on the plane, I got to believe that they were probably showing some physical signs, Bruce, that they should have probably uh, been able to detect at the airport if they were just running them through baseline uh, sort of symptom checks. But like I said, it's not happening. At least I haven't had it happen here in the States. Well, let's get one thing clear to the people listening. Just because you have a temperature or you don't have a temperature does not mean you have COVID. Or No, I understand mean- that. But but if you're to the point where you're going to go into cardiac arrest, I bet you're probably running a, a temperature. Yeah, you would think so. But then again, what the point I'm trying to make is that the asymptomatic where you don't show any symptoms and 60% or more of the COVID cases that are being transferred are being transferred. and, and Right. I understand uh, that, but received. this guy died. Well, like, wait, wait, wait a minute. Being received from asymptomatic people. So I'm just going to say that, yeah, the, the temperature testing is great, but that's sure. not a guarantee. That's just No, like but, but, but again, we're talking about a guy who died on a plane, Yeah, meaning he's suffering and showing symptoms. Why right? the people even gave him mouth to mouth? Trying to revive him, you know, doing their job. And, yeah, uh, and yeah, well, I mean, I hate to say this. I, this. This sounds terrible, but that would be the last thing I would be offering a stranger right now that, that brings up another subject in this day and age uh, paramedics i mean helping people out are probably scared to death to even do mouth to mouth much less well, lifeguards i don't think they're doing mouth to mouth they have the other they have the things yeah they have that respirator or whatever like that they you know can pump but like the bottom line is this like i understand yes you're not going to be able to you know grab everyone and, and prevent them from flying uh if they're not you know showing symptoms but this guy died on a plane i'm guessing he probably had some sort of symptoms well, you would, yeah, um, you, would think, you would think so, but his wife supposedly denied it when they were asked. I, again, I'm going to the surface of the story. But here's story. the thing. They probably didn't test. And, like, if you at least just – it takes literally two seconds to hit someone with that thermometer. It's a if touchless it, thermometer. Just do it. I'm with you. Whatever, you know, anything that can be done to help prevent this, but it won't cure the situation. No. Let me but, tell you another thing. You talk about travel. A Georgia college student went to Cayman Islands, right? Mm-hmm. She has now been sentenced to four months in prison in the Cayman Islands. She's an 18-year-old college student because she uh, was breaking the British Caribbean Territory's COVID-19 protocol while visiting her boyfriend for a jet skiing competition there. So, anyway, Why are they having a jet skiing competition then? I don't know what to say. Like she, When she landed, she was given a COVID-19 test, came back negative. She was told to remain in isolation for two weeks coming in. She decided to attend the competition anyway two days later. She, uh, in her mind, she thought if she stayed away from everybody, it would be fine. No, it wasn't fine. She's arrested. She's now going to go to jail uh, for four months. Um, she was initially sentenced to 40 hours of community service in order to pay a fine. But now, if I'm looking here correctly in the way it's being reported, 
She's going to be in jail for four months. Hell of an experience for an 18-year-old. When you're traveling right now, everybody, I highly recommend, based on this one story, that you would examine what the local rules and laws are for safety and protocol. Plus, why are you even traveling to begin with? Well, he, here's the thing that is odd, Bruce. So, like, the border between the United States and Mexico is apparently closed um, for non-essential travel. However, when I went to Mexico um, all three times, they just assumed I was there for vacation. The Border Patrol assumed I was there for vacation. And they asked me, are, are you here for vacation or, or business? And the first time I was like, wait, can I even come here for vacation? Is that possible? And they're like, yeah, whatever. Sure. Bye, Esther. Thank you. Bye, Esther. Merry, Merry Christmas, Esther. Merry Christmas, Esther. He didn't say goodbye for me. And my partner, TJ, says goodbye, too. Thank you. Appreciate it. And Merry but, Christmas. But you know what I'm saying, Bruce? Like, uh, the, the bottom line is there are these rules in place, but some aren't even punishable if you break them. And other ones just seem to be ignored by the people that are supposed to be enforcing them. So I understand this woman definitely made a mistake and is going to have to, you know, suffer the consequences. But at this point, I don't take a lot of the rules and regulations from a, a standpoint of will I get in trouble all that seriously because most of them aren't actually enforceable or right. aren't being enforced. Right. We've talked about this on the show almost every week, the enforcing. But, you know, the bottom line is we live in a day and age with a COVID pandemic that you need to be self-responsible. You need to be responsible for yourself and do what's needed. The problem is with the country being unled by example by our leader and the leaders and other people as a result of that, which has caused division in this country and everything else we've discussed for weeks on It's Time Radio, um, this is where the problem lies. And either you're 100% protective, say, practicing safety and protocol, right. or you're not. And it's the people that are not are causing us to stay where we're at. And or one of the key reasons that we're getting worse and suffering the way we're suffering. So I, I don't want to get into this debate again. We debate it every week. It's you not all, a debate anymore. It's just the way it is. It's just the way it is. You're all out there have to make a decision. You either want to protect yourself and the people around you and your loved ones, or you don't. Right. As simple as that. And, and the mask mandates, like I still have no idea how we have these people going into grocery stores and ending up on YouTube because they decide that they're going to take a stand and, and cause a scene and attack people over. Like, I don't care if you don't want to wear the mask, but you have to if you go into a store. So stop being stupid about it. Put on your damn mask and don't become a viral sensation because you're an idiot. Stupid is as stupid does, and that brings me to my next story. Here's our stupid is as stupid does candidate and winner of the week. You ready for this one? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, Universal Studios. You remember the, uh, the Bates Motel psycho? Yeah. Yep. Okay. An L.A. County Sheriff's deputy, right, mm -hmm. allegedly, allegedly had sex on the Universal Studios lot in his car by the, uh, or on the lot, um, we don't know whether he was in the patrol car or nearby or whatever, but the dispatcher at the sheriff's station could hear a woman moaning, right? Repeatedly moaning. The dispatcher was trying to get the deputy's attention. So whatever was going on and it was, he was hitting the button or whatever, he didn't hit the button. It was all over. Everybody could oh, hear it. There's an internal investigation. The sheriff deputy has now been taken off duty pending the results of the investigation. Um, I don't think the base motel is exactly my choice to where I'd want to have sex, but you know, maybe people get excited. But, well, he, here's the thing about it. And this is probably why like the, the base motel there is part of their uh, studio tour. Yeah. It's a studio tour, but it's closed because of COVID. Yeah. Well, it wasn't like it was in the hotel. It's just, that's the area. I understand, happened. but it's closed. So there's yeah. no real risk of people coming through that area, which is probably why it went down to begin with. But what do you, what are you doing, man? Like, uh, like there's that term getting caught red-handed. I don't know what, what that term would be for that, but my God. Well, like, what do you say? Like, how do you defend yourself? I was, was watching it, a video. It was my lunch break. I don't know. <laughs> I call it code four lunch break, whatever that code is. I he was, no he was more than hungry. Stupid is as stupid does. We'll see how it turns out. If he's innocent, he's innocent. But signs point to that there was something going there's on. There's no innocent buff. You're being too nice here. All right, Christmas gifts. I'm sure you've, uh, we're all you know, shopping a little differently this year. Whether For me, I'm not sending out all the gifts and the cards and everything I normally send each year. Anybody listening that I normally send gifts and cards to, please understand it's a different type of year. One of those I years. Can't wait, yeah. yeah, I can't wait till we get together and drink in person and the whole bit. 
Uh, uh, drink. What are you going to be drinking? Puncher's Chance, baby. Of course. There we go. Puncher's Chance. There and by go. the way, this is right down the street from my house mm -hmm. is Dale's Market. Went by there yesterday. There's a whole display. It's time oh. for the new bourbon. The picture of the all in the window display That's is all great. there. That's awesome. We got, we've got uh, like a Winn Dixie, uh, one retailer in Florida, and other retailers ordering 20, 30 cases at a batch. Really? It, yeah, it's selling like hotcakes, TJ. It's awesome. Selling Good for you. like hotcakes because it's a quality product. I'm very happy with you. Try it. Yeah, no. Um, uh, yeah, I no. got. I, no, no, <laughs> I, I, no, I mean, I'm, I'm going to. I'll tell you something off the air. I got an opportunity, I think, that we can uh, do something with. All right, sounds good. Now, let's go into some Christmas gifts. Louis Vuitton, the fancy uh, fashioneer, um, whatever the term is, they've got to get these items they're selling. You want to give your son a kite for Christmas, a Louis Vuitton kite? No. $10,400. Yeah, no. You can afford it. Uh, uh, no. How about a jump rope? Louis Vuitton okay. jump rope, $705. This is stupid. How about some dumbbells? Okay. $2,869 for a pair of dumbbells. I know you've already given out the Stupid Is a Stupid Does Award for the show, but anybody that is willing to buy these things at this price, they're also candidates for the award. $2,400 for a ping pong set. Ping pong set? Ping pong set, I can see. I can see uh, a being fancy thing. And maybe this one, a billiard table Yeah. for a cool 135000 Okay, I mean, that's too expensive, but I can see the allure to that. You're talking about a kite? Kites don't last long. You know what I mean? Like, how many uses out of a kite do you get before it's damaged in some way? I uh, think this, this came off Kim Kardashian's gift list to her kids, probably. I have no idea. So, we'll see. Just give me the uh, equal value uh, instead of that gift for Christmas, and I'll be happy. Don't. Yeah. There you go. Uh, speaking of equal value, on a collectible end, uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. You know, he played football in college for Florida. And, Not for uh, Florida, for Miami. Or Miami. I'm sorry. Well, in Florida. I'm sorry. I meant in Florida. No yeah. worries. They'll, 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 they'll just think that you're talking about a gator instead of a hurricane. Well, his uh, a college football card to him, which is rare. I don't mm -hmm. know how many were made. Oh, probably not many. 14,000 just sold. For yeah, him. I believe that because he wasn't a, a huge star. You know what I no. mean? He wasn't a guy that uh, really commanded a lot of attention as a, as a college football player. Now, now, another card that was sold, and you might have heard of this card. It's considered the rarest baseball card ever. It's the Mickey Honus Mantle? Wag no, the T206 oh, Honus Wagner Honus card. Wagner, yeah, yeah. I know that card. I remember when this card first sold for a half million dollars some 20 years ago, 25 mm -hmm. years ago. Then I remember when it sold for a million dollars, breaking a record. Now it just sold again to a real estate mogul named Kurt Rappaport. Mm -hmm. $3.7 million. Ooh, that's a significant jump. And I guarantee you this card will sell for $5 million in about oh, three or four yeah. years. In, you know, so in 20 years from now, it'll be going for 50. Crazy, crazy yeah. money, crazy money. It's out there, folks. Uh, you know, the, those cards, actually, the reason they're so rare is because they were put in cigarette packs. Yep. And Honus Wagner, if I remember correctly, wanted it removed because he wasn't a smoker. Oh, which wow. Which caused it to become rarer because I've had a T206 cards from cigarette packs, but they're not worth a million dollars. Right, unfortunately. Yeah. Now, here's the, here's the feel-good story I want to end the show with. Like most 12-year-olds, you know, kids love the family traditions, making cookies and wrapping sure. gifts, decorating the tree, That's all that. That's what the holiday's all about. So a pair of uh, Connecticut brothers, right? They were hanging their decorations, and then one of their favorite ornaments fell off the tree and broke, and a light bulb went off their head. And they figured out a way to hang the decorations more securely, mm -hmm. which is like a toggle device that fastens the ornaments safely oh. against the branch. That makes right? sense, yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. So. They didn't waste any time going into business, right? Uh -huh. And they, they went into business. Within the first six hours, they sold over $1,000 worth of product. In the first they, six hours? In the first six hours, now they have grossed over $250,000, right, in revenue. Mm. And they're giving the money back to local animal shelters. That's how great. Beautiful, how beautiful is that's, that? that? I mean, that's the... Uh, that's the spirit of the season for sure. Right well, there. Let me tell you, they're donating, not everything. They're donating a percentage. 10%. Oh, it doesn't matter. That's the spirit it of the matter. season. Yeah. It's, it's 12 year old kids. Yep. A entrepreneurs setting out and making things happen. I mean, I love this. Yeah. B giving back and paying it forward. I love that too. So you know what? Merry Christmas. Let me tell you their names. Ian and Mickey Nakvi. Very hard. to. I'm, I can't pronounce their name, but two good looking young boys. This is what I like to see. This is our future. That's awesome. Right? Um, yeah. that's, that's super cool to uh, uh, hear about. And um, I, I'm just blown away at that much success that quickly. Like, 
think what the future holds. Seriously. The they're they're, they're going to be copied. They're going to be other companies or bigger companies going to spin it off real quick. I was just going to say, they, I would hope they got like a patent or something like that. Hope they did or a uh, utility pad, whatever the term is. Right. But, you know, I hope they did to protect it so somewhat because they could they could license, as you hear on Shark Tank, mm-hmm. like our buddy Damon John would say, he can license the idea to companies that have larger form areas of distribution. So they have a future ahead of them. I'm sure it'll pay for their college education. I hope it does. And Who needs college if you're pulling that kind of money in already? You know what I mean? They might bypass all of that. Definitely a decision to be made. But uh, kudos to those boys. Kudos to them and kudos to their parents for for helping them with that. All right, TJ, we're going to sign off. So what's up? And we'll be back next week for our New Year's uh, show. And I think we'll have Sammy on next week. Great. Um, Yeah, it'd be nice to catch up with Sam and kind of do a a year in review because it's just been a hell of a year. Um, speaking of year in reviews, I've got one coming up in the world of mixed martial arts uh, on extra rounds, which uh, will go down, I believe, on the 31st. You can watch it live on UFC Fight Pass as well uh, as uh, the Fight Pass Facebook page. Uh, myself, Pearl Gonzalez, Ray Longo, Dean Thomas, uh, going to close up uh, 2020, look ahead to uh, 2021. Uh, going to use the opportunity to make some predictions because no one saw this year coming. Uh, hopefully, we can try to forecast next year, and hopefully, it's positive. Because I, I don't know, after this year, Bruce, it's felt like we've survived a decade rather than just a year. Uh, but I'm happy to at least, you know, figuratively put it in the rear view and add a one uh, to the end of the year because 2020 is just, it's been a shit show uh, for so many reasons. So, but, but that's it. Uh, fight pass next, uh, next week uh, for extra rounds. Fantastic. All right. Sounds good. Well, TJ, I wish you and your family a very Merry Christmas. Same to you, Buff. And we'll talk next week about the new year. Uh, everybody listening all over the world, I wish you all very happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Hope you get the gifts you want. And again, I hope you take care of everybody around you and please practice your safety and protocol. I want to thank everybody for the amount of videos. We've had a record month this month. We're not even done with the month. It's already a record month. I've done more cameo videos than I've ever done. Um, Every day, just flying in. Thank you. I'm getting them done. They'll all be done in time for Christmas. Your videos and audio orders coming into BruceBuffer.com for championship intros and holiday greetings and COVID messages and everything will all be finished in time. If if the order gets in here by the 24th of December, your order will be fulfilled. And Kayla, if you're out there, the young lady that got broken up with. Kaylee. Okay. She needs to get in touch. I would love to, to get some something going for her. Okay, the opportunity's there. It's all there, free video, plus to be a guest on the show. We'll talk about uh, the video and also that offer is out there for anybody that knows the famous, infamous Kaylee and uh, from the TNZ story that was done last week with me. So that offer is there. With that being said, I want to wish everybody a very, very Merry Christmas, very happy holidays. I hope the love is being shared. I hope the health is being enjoyed. And we all have to have small gatherings this year with just our immediate families. Please practice the safety and protocol so we can end this year strong to start the new year strong. With that being said, set your goals, write them down, learn everything you can about them to be the best you can be and to be a role model to your sphere of influence. So when you set out on that path and you start walking, you are performing at your best. Whether you're number one, number two, number 10, first in place, the greatest of all time, the bottom line is be the best you can be to be the winner. And that's what we're all about on this time radio. It's about winning, folks. And right now, waking up healthy today, loving life, having this show, seeing TJ, talking to Stephen Thompson. And after I call my mom after the show to make sure everything's cool with her, then it's a wonderful day. And I'm happy to be the best I can be, too. With that being said, talk to you next week. Enjoy this holiday. Buffer out. Merry Christmas, everybody.